0: Episode 318. A shout out to our viewers to like this program so it can reach its maximum potential. Today is Monday the 7th of March and here is what is happening around the world. First, we start with market news. Global oil prices skyrocket as Brent crosses $130 a barrel and crude is at $125. It's had a small pullback since then and we'll update you that information. 10-year US Treasury bonds sink to 1.69%. Cryptocurrencies crash with an imminent ban on Russian crypto transactions and markets around the world tank as the fallout continues. Sridharji, welcome to piguru's channel. You, you are the co-host, sir. What are your thoughts about where uh, the crude oil is going to settle? Now, it's been on a, on a tear. I think the crude oil
1: um, is going to, in my humble view, uh, with the way the prices are going and with more uh, things to follow, we're usually looking at the 130 to 150 band. Um, I talked about $150, very much uh, imminent. Uh, the other thing that is that whatever is the price, the sustained high prices is not going to be for short term, is going to be here for a little bit of, the time window and flowing into the economy, causing inflationary pressures because you can't just shut off supply and uh, turn on supply, you know, in a very
0: rapid manner. So this is going to be here, uh, Shiji. And uh, in Russia, Ukraine, Europe developments, Putin threatens Europe and nations sending fighters and equipment into Ukraine. It is alleged that Russia is recruiting Syrian fighters for urban warfare. UN is extremely concerned that the nuclear plant is under Russian armed forces control as the Russian forces switch off the networks at the power plant. ji, you know, even a bomb in the vicinity of the uh, nuclear plant is a very dangerous thing because I've seen some explanations being trotted out that it was not the reactor itself, that it was the administration building. ji. The West has spent close to two trillion dollars over a period of time to just put a proper roof on the Chernobyl reactor, sir. Two trillion. Two trillion. Uh, Shriji, I think uh, what you are witnessing right now
1: is uh, Western versus non-Western narrative. Uh, if you try to, uh, you know, put some perspective, then you are either called a Western. Uh, you know what you representative uh, to be put to, to put it mildly, or you are called as uh, the other way, which is namely, uh, you are uh, you know pro uh, right, uh, anti liberal, etc. So you have uh, this type of uh, shaping of the narrative that is going on. But what's happening in the process is we are m- missing the facts, as you rightly point out. The fire doesn't matter whether it is in a building or a shed within a nuclear complex means it has a problem. The second problem that we are find, we're witnessing in this particular complex is that apparently now the uh, the reactors are now under the control of the Russian forces and they're slowly, these people are very experienced. These forces are not the, uh, you know, non-conventional, you know, the guys who fight, uh, but they seem to be very specialist elite forces who know how to monitor and manage uh, these nuclear uh, stations, they have switched off the networks, which effectively means monitoring becomes extremely cumbersome. So this is an ominous sign from the perspective of what IAEA is saying. If you happen to be non westerner their view is, this is all a fake narrative that is being thrown up. Uh, This is very
0: common now coming out, especially from vast segments of the Indian diaspora. And uh, one internet backbone has ceased operations in Russia. Netflix, TikTok, all are not operating anymore inside Russia. So the disinformation perhaps will, you know, take a beating now. Uh, we have to wait and see how this plays out. I think lies from any direction is wrong. Uh, maybe one reason why you should be watching P Gurus. We are completely data driven. Let's move on to the next uh, t- topic. Belarus deputy defense minister quits over the russian invasion boris johnson wants sanction will not work until gas and oil is stopped from russia the us mulls a deal to get mig or migs from poland to ukraine and us b52 bombers fly close to ukraine borderline and marco rubio says if we implement a no fly zone that means world war 3 Sridharji, what is the Republican stand on this? Do you should we assume that what Senator Rubio says is the Republican stand, or is he saying it as an individual? The Republican stand is very simple, um, namely, impose sanctions, do not get
1: into the war, no-fly zone, and by God, stop all the nonsense around this energy policy and allow natural gas drilling to continue allow the pipelines to be reestablished, pump more from within the American soil, solve the energy problem and uh, you know, let the price, let the pressure of price reduce at the pump stations for the American consumer. This is the position that the present Republican uh, administration or Republican uh, conclave has taken. Believe it or not, surprisingly, Or not surprisingly, Democrats are towing the same line, except on the energy policy. I think we covered it a couple of days ago. Manchin is very much uh, for reopening uh, Keystone Pipeline, but also to allow those 12 or 10 or
0: 12 licenses uh, to be accelerated release and approval by DEA and russia has suspended has been suspended from the wto coordinating group ukraine foreign minister says china has the necessary tools to stop russia ukraine and russia to face world court over genocide sridhar this genocide charge i think there are a couple of instances i think it's also come on mainstream media as well as social media where the russian bombs have targeted civilian areas they are even showing some very grotesque scenes, uh, Sridharji. So uh, I think there is uh, some; it has some substance. This uh, lawsuit. Uh, it does. It does. Um, just before we are uh, transition to this segment, one important point: the
1: Ukraine uh, pilots are not trained. Uh, they are all used to fire, you know, flying the Russian planes. Hence, I think there is an attempted move to move uh, the, MiGs the MIGs from Poland. Yeah, the MIGs from Poland. And then, you know, replace uh, the MiGs in Poland with uh, F-16s or I don't think they'll give them F-35s, F-16s. So I think this is a a very interesting move that the Biden administration is contemplating. Now to uh, to get back to your point, um, there clearly is uh, messages coming from the Ukrainians that hospitals and civil infrastructure including uh, neighborhoods have been targeted and uh, and which is what they have documented in a systematic manner. Now, the Russian view is that as is often the case that the Ukrainians have used, uh, you know, people as uh, what you call as, uh, you know, uh, people, human shields, uh, you know, which resulted in, uh, in casualties, uh, especially this uh, handheld uh, what they call javelin missiles uh, in domestic locations. This is Russia's stand. It's going to be interesting to see uh, as the evidence is presented how this is going to play out. If you all remember uh, the famous Ukrainian plane that was shot down, uh, you know, and. Uh,
0: you mean uh, the Malaysian plane, sir? Which one? Malaysian, Malaysian plane. Malaysian there's animal. Malaysian,
1: there's also one other plane, one other, I think. Uh, either the defense or the uh, I think hmm. it's an army plane. It was shot down, and there's a there was a that probably was not that much mainstream as it relates to the commercial plane that you are alluding to, right. uh, and uh, it never had. Uh, it has never seen the end of the day in terms of the conclusion of the course of the case.
0: Yeah, uh, in fact, one of the stories that is trotted out is that MX seventeen uh, around the same time, uh, Prime Minister Modi was on the same area of skies. Uh, traveling back to India and somebody was putting out a theory that that was intended for Mr. Modi and somehow the thing went and hit poor Malaysian Airlines flight. Very, very sad sir. MH17 I believe. Um, Residents in Mariupol are trapped as fighting is intensifying. Is Odessa next? Wants French President Macron The Russian convoy stalls and Putin calls to Ukraine to surrender. A little bit about uh, the the item, sir. Um, Odessa is a very key port because if the Russians capture Odessa, then essentially they can cut off Ukraine from any sea access.
1: Yeah, CFSO uh, is what they will control on either side uh, Mariupol and Odessa, and they already have Crimea. Uh, so, you know, I think that that is what they're attempting to do and Macron is uh, clearly stating that that is a non-starter, but is, uh, is Europe going to intervene? The answer is no. So Europe will not intervene, United States will not, will not intervene, contrary to all the rhetoric that is being thrown out, but they will intervene and they will take action if any NATO territory is attacked. I think that's why Vladimir is playing very, very uh, cautious until uh, whatever the outcome that eventually turns out in Ukraine, then it becomes very interesting. Where is he going next? And there is theories going around. It looks like Moldova, Georgia and Kazakhs are uh, very much in the radar as to re-establishing. We again covered this some time ago that he is holding the old Soviet Union map that seems to be his agenda in the absence of global leadership and vacuum in
0: global leadership. And Israeli Prime Minister will try to mediate even if the prospects are poor. Uh, We had reported, in fact, I had a separate monologue on this over the weekend about uh, Naftali Bennett taking a short flight across to Russia, talking with Putin, and then from there on going to Western Europe. Um, Sridharji, your prognosis on Israel's efforts because Israel has been sort of Keeping a low profile through all this stuff, except Israel has a lot of key interests in both Russia as well as in Ukraine, isn't it? It does. It
1: does have a strategic interest both in Russia. And I think I, we have covered again here that, uh, you know, there is a, some kind of an implicit cooperation between Israel and Russia, especially in Syria, as it relates to Syria and Lebanon, as it relates to some of the uh, vulnerable uh, Jihadi spots. The second, which is even more important, is there is considerable segment of Jews still from the remnants of the old World War II, uh, both in Ukraine and Russia, and they are trying their best to offer them refuge and bring them across. And I think that's the
0: purpose of his mission. And Erdogan appeals to Russia to end war, declare ceasefire and make peace. It remains to be seen. Turkey itself was uh, thought to be very aggressive. They just went and annexed more lands, either. you know, everybody starts quoting from the scriptures once their mission is accomplished.
1: Well, I think that it's very, very uh, interesting. That um, um, very interesting that um, Turkey has taken a suddenly a different stance. Uh, they are also implementing. Uh, they are also implementing um, implementing the uh, Black Sea. Uh, uh, port monitoring and restrictions much to the anguish of uh, the Russians. So it's fairly interesting within that context, uh, the position that uh, Turkey has taken
0: in this conflict. And in US news, the United States says 1.5 million people have thus far fled Ukraine as fighting intensifies. Blinken says the US is in talks with allies to ban Russian oil imports Nancy Pelosi pushes a bill to ban trade with Russia and Belarus. Sridharji, the most important thing is to ban oil imports. What will the Western Europe do if they stop getting oil and natural gas from Russia? The slack has to be picked up instantly, Sridharji. Your thoughts on how logistics are going to work? Well, first and foremost, on the energy side,
1: um, I think unless strategic uh, reserves are released uh, for a period of not one day, but for sixty days, you know, you do 70,000 barrels. It just doesn't add up. You have got to be able to release, you know, thirty to sixty days uh, reserves. Uh, you know, once if you should you choose to do that, then it's a different story altogether. Uh, there are ships that can ferry them, ferry the, ferry the. As far as the oil is concerned, the gas is concerned, they're trying to take it from the. Uh, uh you know from the uh, the new uh, the gulf uh when i say gulf i'm not talking about uh, you know our uh, uh, new orleans uh, area they're trying to shape it from that side of the uh, of, of of the uh, uh, the coast uh, because qatar has emphatically uh, stated that it has no capacity to supply it's fully booked out now that's the, those are the only uh, scenarios that is open but europeans have used to you know pain and uh, hurt uh, you know through two world wars so it's not going to be a seamless transition and cut over so there's going to be some pain now what's the call? what's the alternative that they have the alternative that they have is to accede to vladimir's request so will the european leadership accede to vladimir's request which is namely to say you know vacate uh, this area vacate this area vacate that area uh, you know take out uh, the nato nato uh, missile shields from here take out all these observations will europe accede to that request uh, this is the other side of the coin people think that uh, russia has been you know unfairly dealt with the western media has unfairly uh, categorized and castigated russia in a very poor light and uh, this is all, uh, you know, Western uh, coup in terms of making sure that the Russian uh, economy and Russia is marginalised and Ukraine is uh, just upon in the game. So this is the other side of the view. Now the facts are that uh, you know uh, the, these uh, these I mean, if you talk to the NATO people, the NATO say that look, you know, we are reasonable and we are not, you know, we are not good. we have not considered membership to Ukraine. Uh, we are not threatening Russia, you know, this is NATO's view and but this is the demand, we have a letter from Vladimir demanding, asking us to accede to certain demands which we are not going to. So how this is going to, what's the game, what is the end state game plan of Vladimir? We don't know unless that there is some major hiccups, uh, otherwise this thing is going to continue for some
0: time. And Americans must exit Russia immediately, wants the State Department. So this is an indication that things are going to intensify. Sridharji, you are spot on, sir. It is. I think that uh, uh, this is basically going to get worse.
1: Uh, it is going to get into a civil war. Um, it is going to become an urban warfare. There's lots of things that have been floated, you know, from uh, foreign guerrillas on either side, uh, ready and prepared to fight. There's also been, uh, you know, Chechnyan uh, special forces which came in and there have been three attempts on uh, uh, the uh, the, uh, Ukrainian uh, Prime Minister Zelensky Zelensky, and all the three attempts have been thwarted. The Russia also started to spread a a campaign that uh, uh, Zelensky has uh, escaped and flown to Poland. He is hiding in US Embassy. All these kinds of things that are uh, going on. Um, and you know this misinformation campaign, uh, and then you know Russia has also had its own challenges in terms of the dissent within uh, Russia, which has been put down, media bans, etc. So what we're going to see is that as this has now moved into, especially with the stalling of that big convoy for various reasons. Uh, this is now going to get in into urban gorilla kind of warfare, and how long this is going to do, what the targets are,
0: remains a very interesting proposition that means more chaos so there are lots of stories also coming from the ukraine side and we have to take those also with a pinch of salt one of the things that's being trotted out is that the the uh, the troops caught in that convoy uh, have no uh, have not uh, had proper salaries paid and then they are being given local cell phones to call up their mom and pop to say that we are doing okay i mean we don't know if it is true or not so both sides are indulging in these kinds of exaggerations uh, or Or narratives that cannot be verified. So we have to wait and see why that thing stalled. It is 40 miles or 64 kilometres long. It's a fairly big convoy and it is just outside of Kiev. But I think there is some progress. Uh, Russia is still inching, crawling and capturing one street at a time. Maybe we have to wait and see how that plays out. Now Biden's budget reduction package undercut by push for trillions in social welfare spending. Um, US energy problems is not just restricted to the cutting of keystone pipe or other projects, but in the foundational myths around the utility of alternate energy sources, net zero greenhouse gas emissions, and inevitable transition to an alternate form of energy. Um, Sridharji, for all the goodness of electric uh, powered vehicles, see we still don't answer the other side how is the electricity the extra electricity being generated now if you're using coal um, uh, fired plants to do that then you're basically uh, you know just distributing the noise somewhere else or the pollution somewhere else yeah all you need to
1: do is look at the top four polluters in the world okay Rainer? united states united states china russia india okay and china and india are still reliant on coal so going and telling the world okay you know uh, stop coal and uh, move to wind energy move to solar energy you know and uh, you, you know we'll give you lots of incentives etc uh, and move to uh, electric vehicles and you know th- th- there is there has to be a transition plan but you're putting billions and billions of dollars without an augmented effort in terms of the alternate. What the Chinese and the Indians will say is, you Western nations have puffed and puffed and puffed enough smoke into the air. You have gone past the industrial revolution and now you are very powerhouses in the economic arena. Well, we are still developing uh, economies. And therefore, we need to make our way, we're not going to be able to put this additional capital and wait forever for the energy needs of our nations to be met. So this is the counter. And this is the reason why, um, you know, you can do all types of models uh, in your books. All you need to do is look at, go back and look at what happened to Britain, especially in the last two winters. Uh, when they were reliant on wind energy to be augmentative or substitutional to their energy needs, and when that didn't turn up, and they suffered. So I think this is this is the reason why that uh, you know this alternate energy situation has to be very carefully managed, and the capital needs to be deployed you know very prudently. We are seeing what's uh, you know what we are seeing right now. This war is going to eat into people's uh, budgets
0: in different ways apart from inflation. Sridharji, just to add to your point in the recent briefing by the Assistant Secretary of State Donald Liu to the Senate Foreign Relations Committee, he had said that India is much ahead of its goals to uh, net zero uh, emissions. And, and and That was one of the bright spots in that talk that he gave where he was giving an update of South Asia and Central Asia. And and, and just wanted to tell our viewers that India is actually making a lot of progress in in trying to uh, combat some of these challenges. Let's take a look at Asian news. Beijing describes Ukraine as a prodigal son in state propaganda. China launches the media blitz as it tries to distance itself from the Russian invasion. Many Chinese groups around the world activated to get back into the mainstream with the West distracted by Ukraine. I'm not sure we are distracted. We are saying everything. We are seeing the whole 360 degree view, which is why we have three days a week now. Well, indeed, I think just before you, uh, we might transition,
1: India is doing it in a manner whereby it is all the new capacity is coming from the alternate sources rather than a substitution occurring because India's starting point is different. And India strategically uh, pursued this solar. And I think uh, that is the reason why the probability of India meeting and achieving its target is much higher relative to U- United States or China is concerned. Now, getting to uh, back into the Asian uh, scheme of things, uh, it's, it's fairly clear that there is a geographic, there is a shift taking place. And Asia is, uh, you know, is watching with uh, a lot of concern. Uh, one of the nations which is stepping up to the game is Japan. Japan is clearly stepping up to the game. ASEAN is extremely worried that, distracted by the situation, that their security is under threat. Notably, three countries: Indonesia, Brunei, Singapore, and also Philippines to a greater extent. Now to to, to make things fairly clear. It's not Taiwan. There is currently, as we speak, exercises are going on by the Chinese Navy in the Scottsboro Scarsbury Scholes, Scarsbury Scholes as well as in the Spratly Islands. That, has, that area has been one of contentions. Uh, as you all know, there's an old ship that is docked. Uh, that area is being contested. Uh, China has a new legislation or a new uh, rule whereby it can convert petrol ports into naval. So they are allowed to fire um, and they're conducting exercises. Don't forget that around the 2008-2012 period when the world went to sleep is the time that the Spratly Islands became epitome of China Sea policy and a, a, a temporary artificial island came up and from then,
0: all we have seen is trouble. And Japan Incorporated steps up offer to fast-track Ukraine refugees. Japan has been periodically, historically, not been you know doing something like this, giving refuge to This is a welcome, a fresh approach.
1: It is. I think Japan is showing leadership. Uh, Japan is waking up. Uh, sometimes necessity is the mother of invention. Uh, Japan needs people. Japan has got a demographic problem. Japan has also got a security problem because Russia's next agenda is, uh, you know, uh, Kuil Islands on the upper North Shore. So, you know, I think that what they're saying is we welcome refugees, we support, we will look after them, and we need to respond and rise to the occasion. Why? There's no leadership again in Asia Pacific there is no leadership it has to come you know, it has to come from japan sir
0: you know people keep talking about a two pronged war for india now people will start thinking about a two pronged war for us also if russia were to take on the kuril islands and uh, uh, japan uh, and, and china were to take on taiwan that is a multi pronged war for us i'm not sure us can handle both they may be in the similar or same geographical region but the focus, that's where things are going to get interesting. So stay tuned. Singapore sanctions four Russian banks and blocks crypto loophole. So a little bit about the crypto loophole, Sridharji. A crypto loophole is as follows. Uh, You have
1: wallets and exchanges located in multiple locations with different jurisdictional requirements. and It is not a very simple and trivial exercise for monitoring and restricting financial transactions that occurs, uh, you know, a wallet registered in Russia doing a transaction in some way in Cayman Islands or doing a transaction in Korea. So this is very much reliant on not only exchanges but specific regulations that must come in fra- from an enforcement point of view. So Singapore is probably one of the more advanced in terms of monitoring and regulating these transactions. So Singapore is saying that You know, whatever the crypto transactions are, we're going to not only restrict the categories of transactions, the exchanges in which these transactions, these wallets can transact and much stringer KYC in terms of who the holder of the
0: wallet is. And uh, Sridharji, I urge you to consider making a 5 to 10 minute monologue about the new world order as far as, you know, moving money around. Uh, countries is involved. It's it's become a lot more procedural, a lot more difficult now and and all the Indian bandicoot politicians, babus and businessmen who have salted money in tax havens, they may be able to see their money, but they may not be able to take it out. That's what the, the new order seems to be. We'll will keep you posted on this, uh, viewers. There is a lot of interesting stuff going on there also. And In Indian news, Ukraine war exposes the limit of India's Strategic independence writes Nikkei Asia and India pitches with France to become a Rafael maintenance hub. So, these are the last two items for today. So, your thoughts, and then we can call it a wrap. Well, I think, um,
1: you no, know, first is Nikkei Asia. The reason I point out is that I urge all the people to read, uh, you can search and read uh, the article. It's I I take it with a pinch of salt. The reason why I take it with a pinch of salt is when you read that article, it almost says somehow China has made a strategic uh, choice and keep keep retaining strategic flexibility and almost to pretend all this intelligence, all the stuff was shared with Russia with China, uh, but somehow uh, China is regretting or miscalculated the level of uh you know uh, cavalry that vladimir putin is demonstrating so they probably did not sign off is what this article alludes to but that is exactly contrary to the truth whereas in the case of india they point out india has been given an opportunity to rise to be uh, you know a global player in number of theaters in you know, all the different tri- trilateral agreements quadrilateral munich security conference 2 plus 2 dialogues indo-pacific forums etc and suddenly lo and behold India is going back to the coattails of Russia. This is what the article says. Now only I have only one significant observation has Modi lost the trust in the process of some of the world leaders because we covered this Morrison, Kishida, uh, Biden, Um, Boris did not call, but certainly Macron called. The German leader did not call. Has Modi miscalculated? I don't know, but Indian seems to think that they have made a right strategic decision. Now on one side, they're saying that Europe is in trouble. The next side, you're going and saying, oh, France, you come here and you you, you, you manage the hub. But guess what? Russia is my strategic kind of a player. And he's the one with whom I'll work with and do a deal. This is notwithstanding the fact that I have done a Rafael deal. How Modi is going to balance this remains an interesting question from a trust factor point of view. Uh, I think uh, Israel would be fine. The India Israel relationship would be fine. I think that because they suffer from similar kinds of issues, but it's going to be interesting to see what happens uh, to the specific uh, hub that he's aspiring. But I I personally feel that, uh, you know, Modi should have taken a much more stronger stand uh, with regard to as far as Russia is concerned, notwithstanding all the deals, because Russia has not reciprocated, maybe 50 years ago they did, maybe 40 years ago they did, maybe 20 years ago they did. But in the last 10 years, Russia has been a beneficiary, but not a reciprocal
0: kind of a deterrence as far as India is concerned. It's my view. Thank you very much Sridharji and that brings us to a close on today's program. Please do like, share and subscribe to our channel and don't forget to click on the join or bell button for uh, getting notifications. Thank you very much Sridharji. See you all uh, Wednesday. Namaskar. Namaskar. Uh, Have a good day. Have a good evening and uh, good night.